You are listening to a message from Victory Alabang. Get the latest updates by visiting victoryalabang.org or like us on facebook.com slash victoryalabang. We are on our last installment of our series, Great Faith. We've been talking about um, people in the Bible, particularly in Hebrews chapter 11, who exemplified uh, just obeying God, trusting Him, and walking in great faith. When we started off this year, uh, you know, by praying and fasting, we somehow declared that this is a year of, you know, us stretching our faith and just believing God even for the impossible. And so uh, we've uh, learned in journey that in the past, uh, you know, six, this is our sixth week already, that some of the stories uh, of these heroes in the faith are really amazing. Uh, you know, some of them you know, some of them you don't know. Uh, people like, uh, like Enoch, uh, most of you probably are familiar with Enoch, but some of you maybe are not. He simply walked with God and God took him away. And that's, you know, he was credited with uh, faith because of his walk with God. We talked about Noah. We talked about Hebrew believers. We talked about uh, the story of Sarah, the, the wife of Abraham. And also last Sunday, we talked about Moses. And so we're looking at, you know, heroes of the faith. You know, Hebrews chapter 11. Somehow this chapter is a somehow like a collage of different characters. It gives us picture upon picture of uh, different individuals in their journey of faith. Now, how many of you are expectant of uh, God's move in your life this year, 2019? You are expecting something great. That's, you know, great. A majority of us, okay? And so we believe that, you know, as we, you know, stretch out our faith, and it's not about the bigness of our faith that moves the heart of God. How many of you know that it's not about our faith, it's about the object of our faith. It's who we put our trust in. And there's a reason why whether we have a big faith, a small faith, little faith, and Jesus himself said, even if you have little faith as small as a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, be removed and be cast out of the sea and it will be done for you. Because it's not about us, it's about him. Amen. Look at the person beside you, tell that person, it's not about you, it's about God in you. It's a good reminder for us that we see stories after story, story after story in the Bible about uh, people who are just like us, ordinary men and women. And sometimes you look at the characters in the Bible and we say, wow, I couldn't have done that. But maybe you can because we're going to look at some of the stories uh, today of how ordinary men and women have actually exemplified uh, in, in their belief in God. And so, and so uh, this particular ending, we're looking at the last few verses of the chapter, uh, verse 32 to, 34, uh, 32 to 40, and it's a final uh, you know, summary of the different characters. We're not just dealing with one particular character, but it's a walkthrough of many more characters in this chapter. What a, my, uh, what a powerful ending, I believe. And speaking of ending, you know, you know, we we are a family with three girls, and you know, I we've the three girls always watch Disney movies, okay? And so we're we're so familiar with the different Disney princesses, okay? And so, you know, I I'm glad that my the favorite uh, Disney character of my eldest daughter is the Little Mermaid, because the name is Ariel, okay? I'm not just kidding, okay? Uh, no, but you, you ask her, that's really her favorite character. But, you know, every time that a Disney movie would play out and would end, it seems like this is the ending. And they lived happily ever after. We're so familiar with this 
that somehow even in the movie, there's a, there's a villain and there's like a turn of events and the villain would somehow, you know, take over and do havoc in the lives of the hero and the princess. And yet somewhere in the movie, there's going to be a turnaround. How many are familiar with what I'm saying? Whether it's, you know, uh, Pocahontas or whatever movie that was, okay, uh, that is. Okay, so uh, there's always a turnaround and the emerging hero and the emerging winners will be the hero and the princess. And after that, this will be the ending line. And they live happily ever after. My question for us today is, as people of faith, is this what we can expect? That we will live happily ever after. If we believe in God, if we put our faith enough in the word of God, if we actually will just have enough trust and believe, a belief in the work of God, in the character of God, in the nature of God, can we actually claim that our life will have no more problem and that we will actually live happily ever after. Let's open our Bibles today to Hebrews chapter 11, verse 32 to 40. And I'd like to invite everybody to stand up. Uh, we'll just read through the keynote since it's the last weekend anyway of the series. I'd like to invite everybody to read this out loud with me, okay? We'll start from verse 32. Ready? One, two, three. And what more shall I say? For time would fail me to tell of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, of David, and Samuel, and the prophets, who through faith conquered kingdoms, enforced justice, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of a sword, were made strong out of weakness, became mighty in war, put foreign armies to flight. Women received back their dead by resurrection. Some were tortured, refusing to accept release so that they might rise again to a better life. Let's move on to verse 36. Others suffered mocking and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. They were stoned. They were sawn in two. They were killed with a sword. They went about in skins of sheep and goats, destitute, uh, afflicted, mistreated, of whom the world was not worthy, wandering about in the deserts and mountains and in dens and caves of the earth. And all these, though commended through their faith, did not receive what was promised since God had provided something better for us that apart from us, they should not be made perfect. This is the word of the Lord. Let's bow our heads and pray. Heavenly Father, we are so grateful for this time as we study your word. Once again, we ask the Holy Spirit that you would give us a spirit of wisdom and revelation to know you better. And I pray that you would encourage your people to continue to hang on and believe and fight the fight of faith no matter what. I thank you, Lord God, that you will allow us to see beyond our circumstance. And I thank you also that out of this uh, t- trials, difficulties we're facing, may you even build in us greater faith, Lord God. Bless the preaching of your word and bless everyone today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may all be seated. All right. Please bear with my voice, Okay. So here we see as we end this particular series, we are on our 
sixth week of great faith. And I'm hoping that we'll all, we all have learned something. How many of you learned something from the past five weeks, okay? You know, uh, how encouraging it is to hear stories of breakthroughs, of God delivering His people, of God providing for His people, of God fulfilling the promises for His saints. But we want to look at four different things in the passage that we've just read. And I want to go uh, on right ahead with the first thing. Okay, number one is God uses imperfect people. Now, how many of you belong to that category, okay? I'm raising up my hand already, okay? So God uses imperfect people. If you look at the Bible, these are not perfect individuals. These are not, yeah, though they are considered great men of God, great women of God in the area of faith, God somehow has been so specific in highlighting even their flaws and sins and mistakes. Somehow this particular verse have leveled the playing field, okay? And so in verse 32, the starting verse that we've read earlier, and what more shall I say for time would fail me to tell of Gideon. How many of you are familiar with Gideon? He's one of the judges in Israel. After Joshua, uh, you know, has conquered the land and has distributed the land as an inheritance to the different uh, tribes, God raised up judges among them. And Gideon was one of them. Guess who Gideon was? Gideon was a coward. Gideon was scared to death. Gideon was hiding, you know, in the threshing floor when God called him against the Midianites. God wanted him to lead. In fact, there's an angel of the Lord that appeared to Gideon and said, Hello, you mighty man of valor. And Gideon was looking at his right and left and back. You, you talking to me? He was so scared about the fact that he was being called by God. He was asking the Lord, Lord, is it real that you're calling me? Give me a sign. You know, so he took a fleece. You know, if, if the fleece is wet and the ground is dry, then that means that you're calling me. Okay, so it happened. The very next day, Lord, don't be mad. I'm going to do the reverse thing. Let the fleece be wet and the... the dry and the ground be wet. And it happened again. And so he assembled his army, about 10,000 people. And God said, you have so many people in your army. I want them chopped down. He's going against an army of about 30,000 Midianites. How many of you know that 10,000 compared to 30,000 is actually outnumbered already? But God is saying, you still have so plenty of men. Chop them down because it's not about you. It's about me. Come on now. That's exactly who God is. And so Eventually, Gideon was left with 300 men in his army. And God told him, now you're ready to fight. How many of you can relate with this? Lord, ano ba to? Ang galing-galing. But yet we know that out of that cowardice attitude of Gideon, he became a hero in Israel that day. Barak. How many of you are familiar with Barak? Not the president, Okay. There's another guy in the Bible named Barak who was also reluctant in fighting an, uh, the army against him. And so he said, I'm not going to fight unless there's another person who's going to go with, with me. And God raised a woman, a woman prophetess by the name of Deborah. She he would not go unless Deborah would fight with him. Can you imagine that? How can Barak be a guy in the hero's hall of faith? But yet God still included him. And they won a mighty battle that day. How about Samson? How many of you are familiar with Samson? The guy who's strong, the guy who's a Nazarite, the guy who's not had a, a, a haircut all his life, 
One thing about Samson is he, he was immoral. He'd always think about his flesh. He's always look at women. He went from one woman to the other, and the last woman he loved was Delilah. And this caused his downfall. Eventually, the Philistines overtook him. They gouged out his eyes, and he actually prayed one final prayer. Lord, if you will just restore my strength so that I can avenge for what they have done to me in your name. And God gave him back his strength. And he pushed the pillars of a temple in one particular big gathering of the Philistines. And he knocked it down. And about 3,000 Philistines died that day. The Bible says he killed more in one of that last encounter than his entire lifetime. A hero of faith, yet he was immoral. How many of you can relate to the Don't raise your hand anymore. Jephthah. How many of you are familiar with Jephthah? Actually, he's one of the judges in Judges chapter 11. And somehow, this leader was a rash leader. He was chosen by God to lead, you know, the, the Israelites in their encounter against the Ammonites. Iba yung mga amoy And so, he was against them and he prayed this prayer. Can you imagine? He made a rash vow before the Lord. And he said to the Lord, if you will give the Ammonites in my hands, I promise you this, Lord, that whoever would welcome me when I go back after the war, I will sacrifice that thing before you as a burnt offering. Never thought about it. He won the battle. He went home. Guess who came out to welcome him? His only daughter. His daughter was dancing and he was, she was singing and you know, get, uh, and, and Jephthah tore his clothes and basically said, this could have been a victory, but this is the saddest day of my life. And I made this vow before the Lord. And what the daughter said was this, my father, give me two months to spend my time with my friends because I will never marry anymore. And then after two months, fulfill your vow before the Lord. And he did. Imperfect individual. Rash with his decision. Yet he was still part of the list. How many are familiar with David? David and Goliath? Maybe the most famous guy in the list. He's a man after God's own heart. He's one who killed 10,000 and sold only thousands. But yet one thing about David that is actually blaring is his adulterous affair with Bathsheba. Not only did he commit adultery with Bathsheba, but he actually killed even the husband of Bathsheba in a war or in a battle because he put him in the, in the weakest point of the enemy. A murderer, an adulterer, yet considered by God as a man after God's own heart. He wrote a lot of Psalms and he was part of the Heroes Hall of Faith. Or Samuel the prophet, the prophet who anointed two kings, Saul and David. You know, it seems like there's nothing wrong with the life of Samuel except that he is the last judge. And when he was about to assign his children to be the judge of Israel, he was about to retire. But the people in Israel are saying, we don't like your children because they are corrupt judges. He was a bad father. He did not raise his sons well. There's a reason why God, instead of raising a judge, chose now a king because they were asking now for a king 
And so he anointed Saul instead of the judge. And all this, these are like notable individuals. And yet, God did not really hide the fault or the sin in their life. Yet, Hebrews 11 commends them of their faith. And it shows that even in their weak faith, all you have to do is to have a little faith in order for God to move on your behalf. The Bible is very clear that in every person in the list, they were also sinful people just like you and me. Just as we are. How many of you can relate with this? We are all in need of God's grace. Not one of them is exempt from the fact that they all need the grace of God in order for them to fight or to do or to fulfill the purpose of God in their life. Bottom line, all of us needs God's grace. All of us needs God's forgiveness. We are all saved by grace. Maybe some of us can actually be part of this Hebrews Hall of Faith. Secondly, people of great faith are empowered by God. So it's not about just them being trained or like Samson, you know, being a strong man. You may actually go to the gym and do CrossFit and go to Coach Dan, okay? Uh, and so you know, whatever it is, you know, it's not about that training that Samson had. It's about the power of God in him. You know, many of us are familiar. Of course, we are in a high-tech world now. We all are using gadgets every single day. And um, the more sophisticated tools are being invented every single day. It's supposed to make our lives easier, more efficient maybe. Not one thing is like a common denominator for all these gadgets. If you don't charge them, they're going to be useless. They're like paperweights. We have to plug them in the power source. And in every feat or accomplishment of every hero of faith in the Bible. It's always because of God, you know, uh, moving in them because they were plugged into the power source. It's God, the Holy Spirit, empowering them, and it's not about them. It says, who through faith, everybody say through faith. Through faith conquered kingdoms. Who is this referring to? Joshua. In Jericho, right after they entered uh, the promised land, after crossing the river Jordan, you know, Jericho is one tough city to conquer. It's a kingdom. It's actually, you know, uh, surrounded by a huge thick wall. And God instructed the Israelites to go around the city six times and on the seventh time to shout for God has given them the city. How many of you know that? How can you shout and put down walls. Can you go around Intramuros for seven days and try to shout? I think nothing will happen. Because it's not about their tour. It's not about their shout. It's not about the loudest of their voice. It's about the power of God inside of them. And all they've got to do is to obey. We need to realize that it's not about us. We're not the ones producing the wealth. If you're a businessman, guess what? No matter where you've been trained, even if you took up master's degree in business, in the best schools in the, in the country, or even abroad, even if you had an extensive experience, uh, you know, working in different companies, it's not about you. Deuteronomy 8.18 talks about it is God who gives us the ability to produce wealth. It does not come from our human hands. It doesn't come from our intellect. 
It doesn't come from our ability. It doesn't come from our connections. We cannot just go and strive out there and try to make things happen because God will be the one to make things happen. We are empowered by Him. All we got to do is to take the first step and God will do the rest. Had they not gone around, they would have not seen that wall tumble down. Enforced justice. Who are we? Who can we remember in the Bible who's enforced justice? Maybe Solomon. Solomon is one, the, the, you know, the, the son of David. When David uh, died, God appeared to Solomon and he asked, okay, ask me whatever you want. I'll give it to you. One thing that Solomon asked is wisdom. He didn't ask for wealth. He didn't ask for defeat for his enemies. He didn't ask for long life. He didn't ask for, you know, whatever it is or all the kingdoms in the world. All he asked was wisdom. Lord, give me wisdom so that I may administer justice and lead this people that you have called me to lead. And one particular scenario that you will see in the life of Solomon was when two moms went to Solomon. Remember that story? And there was one baby and two mothers are claiming that that's their baby because they lived together and apparently one of the moms, you know, squished the, you know, the baby and one of the babies died and the one, only one lived. And so they were fighting over that life child. And so, you know, one mom is saying, this is my child. The other mom is saying, no, this is my child. And so Solomon said, he called the guard, okay, I want you to divide that child into half. Get a sword, hati kayo. What a wise king. But he knew it was going to happen. The real mom said, no, don't divide the child. Let the child live. Give that child to the other woman instead. And the other one said, no, let's divide the child. Hati tayo. Solomon knew who the real mom was. Justice. It's not because of Solomon. It's because of God working. How many of you need wisdom? Please raise your hand. We ask the Lord for wisdom. Amen. God empowers us with wisdom in everything that we do. In the words we speak, in our dealings, in our business, in our family, in our relationships, in our finances. In our health, God gives us wisdom as well. Amen. Praise God. Okay. Obtain promises. Abraham and Sarah, we know this. Because of the promise of God, they had a child. 100 years old for Abraham, no problem. 90 years old for Sarah, no problem. Baron, Sarah, no problem. Because it's not about them. It's about the power of God in them. We always need to remember that when God tells us to do something, it's not about you and me. As we learn to obey, listen to God, and just by faith, do what He says, God will do the rest. Amen. Obtain promises. Stop the mouths of lions. Who is this referring to? Daniel. We see that Daniel, despite the fact that the king commanded the, the, everybody to pray only to him, Daniel persisted in praying to God. And because of that, he had no choice because he was entrapped by his law, by some of the other scrupulous wise men in the kingdom. So he had to throw Daniel in the lion's den and he stayed in the lion's den Airbnb overnight. And the very next day, the king visited Daniel. Daniel, are you still alive? 
and Daniel said, very much so. Because what happened was, there were a lot of lions hungry as they are, or were. But God was the one who shut the mouths of the lions, and not even Daniel. He didn't even lift a finger. Was Daniel the one who... I don't think so. It was God who shut the mouths of the lions. And so not one bite was given to Daniel. Quench the power of fire. Who is this referring to? I remember the three Hebrew boys by the name of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They were thrown in the fiery furnace because they would not bow down before the idol of King Nebuchadnezzar. And they said, we know, O king, that if we will not bow down, our God will save us. This is in Daniel chapter 3, verse 17 and 18. And we want you to know also that even if he does not save us, we will still not bow down. So they were thrown in the furnace, three of them. And alas, the king looked at them and he did not see just three, but he saw four people walking inside the furnace. And the fourth one was like the son of God. And the king was convinced there is a God in Israel. Escape the edge of the sword. Who is this? David from the sword of Goliath and Saul. Moses escaped the sword of Pharaoh. Elijah escaped the sword of Jezebel. Made strong out of weakness. We've talked about Samson. Became mighty in war. You know, these are like Gideon and Joshua. Put foreign armies to flight. This is King Jehoshaphat. Remember the time when King Jehoshaphat was scared and there's a big army? And God told him, this is my battle. The battle is the Lord's, not yours. And so what Jehoshaphat did was he put not the archers in the front lines. He called the music ministry team to be in the front lines. Can you imagine? You're the ones right in front against the enemy and all you have is guitar or cymbals or drums. Come on now, Lord. There's not even a way to defend yourself. There's no, no spears, no arrows, nothing. All you've got to do is just to play an instrument and praise the Lord and God moved on their behalf. And a mighty victory happened before Israel that day. Women received back their dead by resurrection. This refers to the widow of Zarephath during the time of Elijah. And even during the time of Elisha, his disciple, another widow came. And they were bought, uh, you know, bo- uh, both raised from the dead, the sons of those widows, somehow because they asked the Lord for intervention. So my, 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 my question this afternoon is, what situation do you have that needs in trusting in the power of God? It may be an area in your life, maybe it's physical in nature, maybe it's your health, maybe it's your business, maybe it's an area of relationships in your family, maybe your marriage, maybe it's one of your children who's not serving the Lord. Maybe it's an addiction. Maybe it's a form of temptation. Whatever it is, maybe it's a court case. Maybe it's something that you want to believe God for. We all need the power of God. Amen. Somehow God puts us in a situation wherein we can totally trust in Him. But things are out of control where you need to rest or trust in His might and power. It's not about us. Provision comes from Him. Healing comes from the Lord. 
Psalm 103 says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and bless and forget not his benefits. He forgives all my sins and heals my diseases as well. The healing does not come from our hands. The healing comes from God's hands. Amen. We merely obey. We are conduit of the power of God. When God tells us to do something, to lay our hands on the sick and they will recover, all we have to do is to pray. And may the power of God flow through us and in us as well. That's so encouraging, right? Every time we ask for a breakthrough, God can move. But yet it seems like this particular passage or verse that we have read has taken another turn. And the third point is great faith endures great suffering as well. Yes, God can move. Yes, God has moved in the past. We've seen miracles in our lives. How many of you have seen miracles, uh, seen miracles in your life happen? Whether it's provision, you know, or whether it's for your family member. I've seen the, the miracles of God in my life personally. But I'm also familiar with great suffering. And the Bible says, you know, somehow it, it validates this statement, great faith endures great suffering. What about suffering in this life? Maybe some of us are questioning, you know, I, Pastor, I thought that the moment you become a Christian, that you, you don't have problems anymore. The moment that you accept Jesus in your heart, you know, I thought that everything will be fine. He promised forgiveness. He didn't promise heaven now. He promised His grace that in this, despite the fact that you're going through that, He promised that He will be there with you. I will be there with you till the end of the age. My question for us is, do Christians have to suffer even if they have great faith? Let's look at the Bible. Verse 35, some were tortured. Pastor, preno. Hinto, stop. Hey, wait. Para. I thought it's all about power. I thought it's all about healing. I thought it's about God, you know, moving on our behalf, quenching the fires, you know, conquering kingdoms, you know. And here we see people being tortured, refusing to accept release so that they may rise again to a better life. You look at the Old Testament prophets who were martyred and killed for preaching the gospel. The apostles of Christ due to persecution. Peter himself was crucified upside down. The apostle James was beheaded. They were persecuted. Others suffered mocking. And flogging our Lord Jesus himself went through this. We don't have to go far. No servant is greater than his master. If God experienced that, if Jesus experienced that, maybe sometimes we might experience that as well. And even chains and imprisonment. You remember Joseph, the dreamer, going through prison because of his faith. They were stoned, not because they're addict, but they were stoned to death. I mean, like literally, people 
getting huge rocks and casting and throwing these stones towards them. Prophets like Zechariah was stoned to death. The very first Christian martyr, Stephen, died by stoning. And the Apostle Paul was even one of those who was there instrumental in having him killed. And here we see that he was, as he was glorifying the Lord in, in his death, somehow in his vision he saw that the, the, the Son of God standing up and almost welcoming him to heaven. Some of them were sawn in two. And this is not even the circus. They were like sawn in half. Tradition would say that it was a prophet Isaiah who was actually sawn in half. Killed by the sword, the apostle James. John the Baptist was beheaded. Remember that story? When Herod's daughter was dancing, they asked for one particular wish and she asked for the head of John the Baptist on a platter. So they beheaded him. They went about in skins of sheep and goats, destitute, afflicted, mistreated, of whom the world was not worthy, wandering about in deserts and mountains and in dens and caves of the earth. With people like Elijah was this. The world is not necessarily friendly to the people of faith, but they also do not deserve that. They're not worthy of them as well. How many of you know this is one hard preaching to swallow? What a way to end, Pastor. I thought we are going to end with encouragement. I thought we are going to end with power. Yes, we are. But this is also a reality. It's part of life. Richard Wormbrand uh, said this, A faith that can be destroyed by suffering is not faith. People in the Old Testament and even in the early church have suffered much for the sake of the gospel. The opposition that we face today in our culture seems to be a little bit lighter and more subtle. How many of you have actually faced persecution in your family or maybe in your office or maybe in the community that you are serving? Yeah, Merle, of course. Maybe the, the persecution that we receive is, you know, just a mocking from some of our friends. You know, they're saying, I was born against or Jesus freak or, you know, I don't know. Maybe they call us names, but that's about it. We're not dragged into court. We're not dragged into a slaughterhouse. We're not dragged and being tortured. And yet sometimes at the slightest trial, we complain. Lord, well, I'm parking on the bayan. And traffic? Grabe. We complain about the traffic. We were not able to be grateful about our car. And sometimes we focus more on what we need and what we want or what we are entitled to have more than the honor and the name of Christ. Have you ever been tortured for the gospel lately? Maybe not. Maybe if you go outside the Philippines, yes. But in the Philippines, there's so much freedom here. 
You can preach in the middle of the street and nobody will bother you. You can pass out Bibles. You can, you know, do whatever you want about the Christianity and that's fine. We may actually face some persecution, but not to the point of death. And look at these two scriptures. Amazing. Some escape, escape the edge of the sword in verse 34. And in verse 37, they were killed by the sword. And both were heroes of faith. Both were believing in God, yet had different outcome in their life. One was freed the other one was killed. One made it through, the other one did not. We know that God can deliver, but it's not always that He must deliver. Because sometimes you try to put the answer in the hands of God. Lord, you must do this. Or I demand you to do this. Really? I think God in His own sovereign wisdom and will, amen, knows what is best for us. Whether for him to answer this particular petition or not, there are prayers of the saints that are answered by the Lord. And we praise God for that. And how many of you have answered prayers? Amen. Whether this year or last year or the past years, we all have. But how many of you also have unanswered prayers? Amen. We still thank God for unanswered prayers. I've asked permission from Tirso if I can use his story. You're all familiar with Gobernador, with Tirso Cruz, the third. And he's one of our members here. He's been walking with the Lord for many years. One of the sufferings that he's faced was in 2014 when they diagnosed him to have lung cancer. And they prayed, they fasted, they believed God, the community fasted, the family fasted, and guess what happened? God healed him completely from that cancer. Amen. Come on now. Can we give the Lord praise for that? 2014. But four years after, his eldest son, TJ, had cancer of the abdomen of, or lymphoma last year. Six months in the hospital and on the sixth month, he did not make it. Same sickness, cancer. Same amount of prayer, maybe more for TJ. But yet one was spared, the other was not. Could we question the goodness of God in this? What I'm amazed about this family with Pip and Lynn and the children, Bodhi and Janine, is no matter what happened in their life with DJ no longer here, they still continue to praise the Lord. Come on now. And I think it's about the way we respond in our situation. Some, were, some escaped the sword. And others were killed by the sword. But yet the common denominator is they believe the God that they are serving. TJ is no longer sick. He's healed fully well. But yet the outcome of the faith of the family, I believe, is even much stronger. 
Could they question the benevolent hand of God or the goodness of God? And they, can they blame God and say, God, you know, if you're a real God, why didn't you answer our prayers and heal our son? We have these kinds of stories. You know my story 15 years ago when I lost my son? I see Jaja losing her husband to cancer about three years ago. Cholo, one of our worship leaders here on stage. And so on and so forth. There's so many believers even who had faith in God who were not spared. Irwin Nipomoseno, one of our leaders in this church, the family is now in Santa Rosa, also died of brain cancer. We asked the Lord, we prayed, we fasted, we believed God for the power of God to heal them. It did not happen. Somehow great faith is not a guarantee for security and comfort. Great faith assures us that God is sovereign over our lives. While we know that the truth is that God can deliver, it does not follow that God will always deliver. We need to submit our lives in the sovereign and the good hand of God. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. Because He knows what's best for us. One of the early fathers by the name of John Chrysostom in the 4th century said this, Faith both accomplishes great things and suffers great things. It's a package deal. When you talk about faith, it's not about just the blessing of God. Come on now. Part of faith is also suffering for faith. So that we can honor the Lord. Another John in the 20th century by the name of John Piper said this, When you can have it all, faith says God is better. And when you lose it all, faith says God is better. No matter what situation we are in, whether good or not. And this is the proper gospel. The gospel is not just a prosperity teaching that, you know, when you believe in Jesus, all your problems will disappear and you will live happily ever after. The happily ever after that I'm referring to is only in this life, but I believe the happily ever after that will happen is in the afterlife. Because great faith, as I end, is waiting for God to perfect us. It's really about God and not about us. In the final two verses, it says, And all these, though commended through their faith, they were commended. They were part of the list. But read the next line. Did not receive what was promised. How many of you have faith goals this year? Oh, Pastor Namane. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about if you have faith goals, go fight for it. We're going to believe God for the impossible. Come on now. I don't want you to back down and say, I deeply will the Lord. No, believe God. Nothing is impossible with God. Come on now. I believe that if it's sickness, He can heal that. If it's provision, He can provide for that. But yet, if the things does not turn around in the way we expected them to be, let us still praise the Lord. God is looking for people 
men and women who can be trusted and walk in great faith. That even if they don't, you know, sometimes you can speak to the mountain, it'll be removed. Sometimes you have to climb the mountain because it does not move. Both require great faith. Verse 40, since God had provided something better for us, that apart from us, they should not be made perfect. The heroes of the faith are looking forward to the fact that one day we will all finish the race together. We have a race to finish. It's the reason why, you know, Hebrews chapter 12 verse 1 talks about the race. Let's us, let us throw off everything that hinders because we have a race marked out for us. There's a, a cloud of witnesses waiting for us in the finish line. But we are being made perfect. The heroes of the faith look forward to what we are looking back, which is the finished work of Christ on the cross. I'd like to ask the music team to join me here on stage. A few more verses before we end. For by a single offering in Hebrews chapter 10, He, Jesus, has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified. Amazing. The death of Jesus made perfect us who believe. But we are also still being sanctified as we live here on earth. God is the author and the finisher of our faith. He's not done with you yet, right? Alam natin yun, tatapos din tayo Lord, right? We know that. God's gonna finish His work in us. On one hand, God looks at us and says, you are perfect, my son, my daughter, because of what Jesus did on the cross. And yet on the other hand, we know that the reality is there are still issues in our life that needs change. We still have anger management problems. We still have impatience. We still have unforgiveness. We still have lusts. We still have greed. We have envy. We have pride. We have arrogance. We have all these problems. But yet the Spirit of God is moving and working in us. And we are waiting for that day when we will be perfected. That when Jesus appears one day, we will look at Him face to face and we will be exactly like Him. We are already, but not yet. Everybody say already, but not yet. Look at the person beside you. You are already, but not yet. You are already perfect, but not yet. Already made, you know, a son of God, and you're not a child of God, but not yet. We're still here. Not yet in the actual kingdom, but we are part of the kingdom. It's one of those concepts and doctrines that we can never really explain. The already but not yet thing. Saved and forgiven and being sanctified through and through. 2 Corinthians 4, my last verse. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not only on what is seen, but on what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, and what is unseen is what? It's eternal. Yesterday, I received an email addressed to all the pastors and all the staff of the Victory Church and Every Nation Movement in the Philippines. And the message is about this young lady staff named Gia Garcia. Gia was a fruitful Victory Group leader. She's a worship leader in 
the fourth in their youth service. She joined full-time ministry in 2017 in December. But at a young age, she was battling lupus. January, she was brought to the hospital. And last Friday, she died of cardiac arrest. She dedicated her life to serving the Lord at a very young age. And she said this in her, I think in her Facebook account, I am coming to realize in its true sense that I need His love more than the very air I breathe. It's better than life itself. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Gia passed away. Did not receive the healing that everybody was praying for. And yet we know that at the end of her life, she glorified the Lord. Because it's not about what we can get from God. It's about what we can give to God to glorify Him. Is this a tragedy? I don't think so. This is somehow a victory still. Because we know that though she was not spared from lupus, she has brought out the aroma of Christ in the way she testified about Him. My final point before we end, great faith is not seen in the outcome of our circumstances in life, but in the finished work of Christ in us. Amen. Can we give the Lord praise this afternoon? You just heard a podcast from Victory. For more messages like these, or to access other resources, please visit our website at victory.org.ph or like our page on Facebook at facebook.com slash victoryph.